What's in the box? What's in the suitcase? What's in the box? Deep shots. Hey everybody, welcome to Deep Shots with Wade and Slavic here. Unusual for us, we're right back at it, less than a week apart from two podcasts. Yeah. That might not mean much to you because we're still editing the ones that we did, but at least we're back in the studio, <laughs> quote unquote, yep. recording again. So that's nothing but positive for us, and I feel actually kind of giddy about the fact that we're right back at it. Yeah, well, we both saw an interesting movie, and we wanted to talk about it immediately. Yep, that's true. But before we get into that, we talked a little bit on the phone today, and you mentioned that you were coaching basketball for your boys. So my youngest, who loves sports all around, lacrosse, basketball, football, everything, he's Mr. Athlete. From last year, for the first time, played organized basketball. And it's in a local league that's a traveling league, but it's run through Orchard my the town I grow I'm in, right? So nobody could coach, right? I travel for work, so I'm like the worst candidate to coach, even though I would love to do it. I just can't commit, right? I'm I travel and there's other dads that are kind of in the same boat. So it was really hard trying to find a coach. So they found a coach, stepped up, did wonderful, right? Season was great. That was last year. So this year, same coach is looking to run the same team. And one of the dads of the boys comes through and goes, sorry, I want to coach. I'm going to coach. I want to coach my son. And the commissioner and this coach is like, wait a minute. Like, you can't do that. I coached this team last year. How would you feel if I did that to you? Somehow this guy muscled his way in and is coaching. Probably because he's in law enforcement. And the next thing you know, my kid tried out, some other kids tried out that were on the team last year, and they don't make it. But a bunch of kids from his baseball team are on the team. Not even from the town we grew up in, but a town over. Hmm. And I got to tell you, it left such a bad taste that somebody would do that to nine-year-olds. To use nine-year-olds as a pawn or as a scheme to get ahead into coaching and lo and behold the coach that was there was an assistant coach and his boys were pretty much guaranteed on the team but after the tryouts he said i'm pulling my kids we're gonna start this other team and my kid and a bunch of other kids that were on that team were on that team so it ended up working out but what are your thoughts on that can you imagine somebody muscling their way into your coaching job now well, so it's a travel team, not not just a village team. Or no, they had a, a there was tryouts. Like I mean, you had to try out, you had to make it. And so we'll say Coach A was the coach from last year. So so when Coach B came in, yeah, did he did he cut Coach A's son? No, no. I mean, if you're an assistant coach, but, you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to have your kids on the team. But Coach B would not accept an assistant coaching role. No, that's what we were like. Why would you just be the assistant coach with this guy? And the guy was up like the guy that coach A was willing to do that. It was just it was like a ploy for him to get his baseball squad together on to the baseball team. I got to tell you, I've known this guy for a couple of years. I don't think I can ever look him in the eye again and like shake his hand. Like I, I think he's scum. Like who would do this with nine year olds? Yeah, well, the the whole travel thing is it's so weird. But yeah, and Coach B's son played last year, but didn't. But he just he didn't coach last. Not year. only did he play, he was excellent. He was an excellent athlete, excellent basketball player. No, no argument. But like to disrupt the entire process and to disrupt the whole thing and to do this like. I don't I'm not crazy about nine year olds having to try out for basketball or for mm-hmm. football or anything anyway. Like I think that's way too young to mm-hmm. tell a kid, hey, you're not good enough to play, right? I mean, that's just not that's that's a social issue because it happens everywhere. So I don't the only way you're gonna stop that is mom and dad not doing it, right? So yeah. that's on us. But I mean just to muscle your way in and I don't know. It just left a bad taste in everybody's mouth and I don't know. I, I couldn't imagine doing something like that. 
Luckily, my league is a little bit lower stakes. It's not a travel league, but if there's 70 kids from Hamburg area that are that have signed up to play. It's 13 to 15 year olds. And we played last year and, and had a good time. And so I thought we'd do it again. And um, it's pretty interesting going back a second year and seeing some of these same kids and also kids that were on my team last year and kind of like, hmm, yeah, maybe not that one this year. But we'll see. There's pretty interesting stories that came out of it last year, but probably not fit for the pod. So, <laughs> well, I remember you and I coached what ten years ago with John Francis. Yeah, it was a while ago. Holy cow, that was. I mean, that was fun. Yeah, I like to still like to get up and run around and stuff, and get up and down with the kids. But uh, you know, those, those days are numbered. Those days are numbered for sure. Yeah, no argument. I was helping. My dad moved some stuff from Michigan to New York and had to carry some things. And I'm feeling it, man. I'm feeling it. Holy cow. All right. Well, we digress. Let's, let's get into this because yeah. I know we want to talk about yeah. it. It's a little late, too. So we we got to dive right in. So today we're going to talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes. This is a Martin Scorsese-directed film. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Lily Gladstone, and Robert De Niro. Also with yes. uh, smaller roles of Jesse Plemons and Brendan Fraser. So the gist of the story is that there's an Indian community that is in the Osage, Osage in Oklahoma, that stumble across oil on their territory. And so f- at this time, it's 1920s. And so it's the boom of the industrial age and, and they, they need fossil fuels. And so they strike it very rich but because of some of the rules and the laws that are going on, they're somewhat limited on how they can spend the money and they can't some of them can't get all their money at once and it's it's pretty crooked right from the get-go. But to add another level of complexity, there's white men in this town or in this area that have recognized that if they marry into the tribe, they are able to eventually generationally get the wealth from these Indians. And so the story progresses. I think it's several strings of story. So there's a love story. There's a criminal story. There's a how this whole scheme work with the bankers and the town. And and then at the very tail end, they slap you with this idea of a Federal Bureau of Investigation and this whole trial of murder and mayhem that transpire throughout the entirety of the movie. And so the ending spoiler is that the white folks are extremely rotten and evil, take advantage of the Indians and all of the castles crumble. Yeah. And well, we should say that it's obviously a true story and it's based on a book that was written by David Grant and it, the book from what I know, it's a little bit more focused on the formation of the FBI. It's actually in the subtitle of the book, Osage Murders and the Formation of the FBI yes. or, or the Birth of the FBI. But yeah, like you said, this movie is much more about the Osage and these greedy white men seeking power. And then the the FBI stuff kind of comes on the end. And obviously the themes here around greed, power marginalization of native americans violence death humanity and the movies about doing unconscionable things and how that happens and how people got away with it because of these native americans were so marginalized even though that they were the ones with the wealth they didn't have any agency and i was really interested in that side of the story which they didn't really tell much but I mean, you can imagine how it happens. You know, the, these are Native Americans who didn't have money. And, and all of a sudden, they have all this money thrown at them or deposited in their accounts. But yet they don't have the agency to do with the money what they want. It was really striking to me is when Lily Gladstone's character, Molly, would go to the bank. She would say, I'm a... Uh, there was a term, again, for the full-blooded Indians who weren't allowed to basically spend their money and and that's going to drive me nuts that i can't think of the term i don't remember the term but the reason she couldn't was because she wasn't married right yes incompetent i'm incompetent or i'm i'm an incompetent is what they would say but yeah just 
the pretty sickening story, capitalism, colonialism. Well, and we'll say this, too, that Robert De Niro is kind of the henchman of this. So he's a cattle farmer in the middle of this entire oil industrialization or oil uh, mining, right? So, and what he's done is really interjected himself into the societies, right? Into the Indians. And, and they regard him as a friend and they regard him as a counselor, right? But the movie shows the other side of him. And they do it kind of slyly. They do it at first. You kind of have think that he might have some good intentions, but then over time you realize that he's just a big puppet master that's using these pawns to gain wealth for himself honestly and it's it's shady it's despicable but that's kind of the main theme of this tale so what were your general thoughts what were your impressions of this film well what i thought was interesting is that i thought it was going to be kind of a whodunit but it it was kind of more of a how they done it and i mean it felt educational to me rather than entertainment but the fact that these men were just so dumb and brazen about all of it was just showed how much that no one cares or no one cared about this marginalized segment of the population. And I mean, kind of like the last 400 years of, of America, to be honest. I mean, you could apply this story to the 1500s and the 1600s when the early settlers came over as well and and still to this day how, i mean you can apply this you know, story to any organization where there's more than 10 people right i mean i think there's forget about the race of it i think that there's people that have power and people without power and people with power oftentimes not every time manipulate the situation to get ahead and yeah. uh it's different levels of extreme but what did you think of the presentation because that's where i'm headed well, I really, really was disgusted by the movie. It made me feel bad <laughs> as a white man in this country. But what made me feel worse was about our education system. And something else that they showed in this movie, and we talked about it in other podcasts, was the Tulsa Black Wall Street Massacre that was shown in The Watchmen. And I think we talked at the time, I don't think we did a pod on it, but you and I knew you and I definitely talked about it, how I had never heard of that event before that show. I mean, that's despicable to me. And then this is very similar. Yeah, they talked about 25 murders, 30 murders, and there's reports that there may have been over a hundred murders. And I had never heard of this story before this movie. And it just it really bothers me. But I mean, as far as the presentation and, and my overall thoughts of the movie, I love the movie. I was gripped by it. Three and a half hours was not a problem. And I really think it's up there for me as far as recent movies and, and movies that we've done on this podcast. Wow. So I will give the movie credit that it shines light on something that I had never known about historically. I think that it shows humanity in its worst light like even when you thought that they were going to turn into something good it turned ugly they had to bring in a complete outside organization to solve these crimes and those people seemed to be the only ones that had any kind of principle other than the victims but i have to tell you that as far as a presentation of a movie this was one of the worst experiences I've ever had in the theater. I couldn't believe how lazy the story was, how they continuously showed the same scenes. How many times did I have to see her take a shot of insulin? The story was long and, some, and at times, I mean, literally in the theater that I was sitting in, I watched two couples stand up and leave because it was mind-numbingly boring the interesting parts was were kind of quick and, and masked and the entire part where the fbi gets introduced is like somebody just throwing water at the wall the ending of the movie is handled in a radio broadcast that is like the most important parts of how everything came out in the movie you don't even see the actors that have been doing it you complete it, they I don't even understand why that happened. Oh, I can explain it to you. 
you can try, but it was a terrible device. Even if the explanation is perfect, it's a terrible device for ending this movie. You seduce us with these characters, and then in the last act, you don't show any of them. It just didn't make any sense. And like the presentation of how everything went down was strange. You were like, well, why aren't they thinking this? And is like DiCaprio really in love with her or is he poisoning her? You never really freaking knew. I mean, that's what's good. Like you don't know. Why is that good? I don't he's so dim that he thinks he can have both. He thinks he can have this woman who So you're telling me he knew. He knew that that that, that was an insulin. They told him it's just going to slow her down. But mm-hmm. in that's he's, the next he's thing. So... Hold on. The first thing was insulin. Then they gave her. Then they gave an additive to that insulin. That stuff was going to slow him down, slow her down. It said morphine, but what I believe it was actually some form of poison. Yeah, not not just morphine. Yeah, and he's trying to appease his uncle, King Hale. Yeah, but at the same time, he's trying to have it both ways, and he's too dumb to realize that he can't. Oh, he's dumb. There's no argument there. That's the whole thing. Is that his thing? Is he loved money and women? And he's too dim to understand the consequences of what he's really doing. And all of the henchmen are dumb. All of them. Right? The only smart guy in the room is De Niro's character, William Hale, right? The Kingers. Well, but even then, he's really brazen and not very smart. It's very similar to Casino, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street. He's examining a portion of society that has decay and caused rot. It's an American story. If you compare that movie to Casino or Goodfellas, I mean, there was actually action going on. There was like things moving the story. This no, is just... No, but Slavic, you, mm. you, can't, you can't tell this story in the same way. He told it like a story that was 20 years ago, and he couldn't edit it. Any, this is his ego. He couldn't edit it down. He had to have every part, every insulin shot, every cut of DiCaprio's face. Every time, I mean, this movie could have been two hours long and could have focused on the most important part, which was the FBI investigation and the trial. Instead, no, it no, was, you're missing, it was, you're missing the point of the movie. You're missing the point of the movie. And the point of the movie is to foreground the atrocity. Bullshit. If you foreground... Bullshit. The reason there's a movie like this is to entertain you. And it's not entertaining. No. It's a lecture no. on how things are bad in this time. And he didn't... Ma- exactly. Uh, you exactly. Know, exactly. That's we a, can bring this he, up. His point of why he made this movie and what he says at the end when Marty Scorsese appears in this movie, that's the point of this movie. There was no mention of the murders. And and he's trying to bring light to it. Because years later, the FBI solved four murders. Of the potential 100 what plus murders, they solved four of them. I'm not saying... So I'm not saying... So make a documentary. Don't sell this as a Hollywood film. Don't sell this uh, as an I- entertaining... So, I mean, I just two weeks ago went to see a movie that was historical, talked about interesting things, talked about things I didn't know about, and was presented in an entertaining fashion. This movie tried to do the exact same thing and fell flat on its face. It should have, Scorsese, who I love, is a great director, should have made a documentary about this. It would have been a better film. And he cut, I mean, all the stuff that you're interested in, he does, he glosses over with a radio broadcast. What's going on? Why would you waste our time like that? That's just the coda. And then after that, you're just watching people die. You're watching four women die. I get it. Like, present information, but present it in an entertaining fashion. And it's just, it wasn't done that way. It would have been better as a documentary. I just don't think you understand the way he wanted to go about this and foreground these atrocities is by showing you this slow drumbeat of approaching evil and how they had no way out. They had no other recourse than to get the FBI involved because there was nobody locally that was going to help them because they're surrounded by wolves. And that's the whole thing. Can you spot the wolves in this picture? Well, if you looked at the book that he's reading at, it's a children's story. And if you can't spot the wolves, you must be blind. 
And that's what this whole story is about is like the, the wolves were all around these people. And because of their desire to prosper and, but they're put in this system where they can't, but they know that they have to work with the white people to advance. But yet at the same time, they, the white people won't allow them. And so it's like hitting your head. You're talking about it. Like it's a documentary, but it's like you're hitting your head against the wall for three hours. And yeah, that's the point of it is like, there was no way out for them. There was no other way it was going to end for them. See, and I appreciate this about you. You're seduced by the story and the plight of these Indians and, and it's a heartfelt story, but step back and look at it from a Hollywood picture perspective. This isn't an entertaining story. This no. isn't presented in an entertaining way. I could talk that, for another hour about Lily Gladstone and as Molly Burkhart. So I, I don't know what you mean because she's a terrifically entertaining and interesting character beyond her like natural beauty. You know, she's got like such grace and calm stillness and her eyes tell you a story every time she's the camera is on her. As this evil gathers around her, the calmness and the stillness which she portrays is really interesting to me. It's slow. I get it. But I did not look at my watch. I was taken by this movie. Other than the fact that I had to pee for the last 25 minutes, I was good, man. I, I wanted, like Oppenheimer, I wanted more. But I think this movie tells a, more of the complete story than Oppenheimer does. I, well, I disagree with you there. It focuses on one Indian family. Doesn't tell an entire story about the rest of the... I have no idea how the tribe's organized. I don't know where the tribe community is. I see one shot of the cab driving by. I could give you a hundred questions of Oppenheimer just the same way that you're going at it. I mean... Really? Yeah. Like, what... I don't... I, not really. Tell me about the seven other scientists that were in the room that have one line in that movie. Tell me about Rami Malek's character. Tell me about Jack Quaid's character. Tell me about Josh Peck's character. The scientists are in the room. You're only focusing on four Indians in this entire... It, it attacked the entire society, right? You're saying it was a plight for the entire group. Yeah. But yeah. you only focused on one real, one real person out of the entire group. No. Oppenheimer at least had the balls to say, yeah, there was a lot of science that went around to get this thing done. They showed you all these other murders. They showed you the murders of her family, not the other 40. What? How many do you need to see to get the point? Uh, that's my point, is that there wasn't, for three and a half hours, to only focus on this small, it should have been a documentary. It Honestly, this this there's no beat in this movie. It, when the FBI thing comes up, it happens in seconds. Like, then they're in jail, not a jail, it's flipping, flopping. Like, you never really know what's going on. And even the trial, the trial's like 10 minutes. Like, it's 10 minutes. Like, why even have that? It, it, it's just, it, it's, it, the movie is all over the place. It's just not a concise presentation. I don't know. I don't know what this movie's trying to tell me. Is it, is it really telling me the plight of these Indians? Is it telling me that Robert De Niro can act as a bad guy all the time? Is it telling me that uh, the FBI got started? And, and what, what, are, what are you really telling me in this story? Again, it's the plight. For three and a half hours. Uh, you know how many people had to pee four times during this movie? Uh, it's telling that people... I, I don't. I haven't looked at any of the reviews. I haven't looked at what anybody else has said about this movie. But I can tell you within my own experience that two people out of the ten that were at this theater, when they left, they didn't come back. That's got to tell you something. Well, I sat in the front, so I didn't see anybody leave in my theater. I, but... Is there art to it? There's sure. There's art to it. And, and there's there's some strength. Some of the acting is is strong. But I'm telling you like overall the entire it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit of a mess. It it's slow in certain parts. It's fast in other parts. It's just the presentation just isn't there. I mean, it's a Scorsese movie. I mean, it's cut very much like Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street. And that there's longer scenes and then there's fast cuts and cameras moving. Like all that same stuff is still here. Did you think Wolf of Wall Street was a mess? No. For some reason, that movie was presented to me better than this movie. Maybe the subject matter was more interesting. I don't know. 
Well, the way this subject should have been presented should have been presented differently. Then it shouldn't have followed the Scorsese model. Maybe, maybe so, it should have followed the a different. Maybe more like a JFK, where you're uncovering a crime, but, or some other type of dramatic represent. Maybe get Nolan in the room. Maybe get Oliver Stone in the room. Maybe they could have had a better presentation. It just seemed like he couldn't get. He was so happy with the thing he created. He couldn't. He couldn't mash it down into something that was presentable and cohesive. So the criticisms that a lot of people levied at at Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas, Casino, all of those kind of '90s ish, early 2000s movies, was that some people took away the wrong message. Like they thought Jordan Belfort and Wolf of Wall Street was was cool and fun, and. That Ray Liotta's character Henry Hill was had a good time in Goodfellas, and that was that was fun to watch these guys get up to their crime. Yeah. Uh, so maybe this is kind of an overreaction to that. I don't know. Its its gaze is focused on the bad guys still here, but it's not. Yeah, you're right. It's not having fun doing it. But I think that's because of the subject matter. The typical Scorsese movie shows you. These graphic deaths in rapid fire, sudden death, boom, 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 boom. But in these other movies, you're not focused on the victims of those crimes. This movie turns that on its head and foregrounds the victims of those crimes. And so I don't think you can have a good... Uh, I don't know. You can have a good, interesting time and try to entertain you while foregrounding this atrocity so i would be interesting in the statistics as to whether or not they showed de niro and dicaprio more than they showed lily and her and her family or i'm sorry molly and her family i my bet is that they showed de niro and dicaprio way more way more well than they showed so i'm not sure how you're flipping it on anything it's it's, it's exactly the same formula no, but Goodfellas, you don't care about the the guys they're whacking. You don't care. They're anonymous bodies. You care about his wife. You care about Pesci's character. You care about De Niro's character. You care about Frankie. But you don't care about the you, but you don't care about the rival gangs, right? I mean, I you care about that guy that asked about a sh shine box. In, in in Casino, you don't care about the organized families or, or what have you. You don't. You don't. Uh, James Wood's character you care about, and he's a big dickhead in that. Wolf. No, and so you don't care about him. And Wolf of Wall Street. You, you sure you do? He disrupts the entire. Wait a minute. James. The reason they cast James Woods is because he disrupts the entire organization of how what's his name wants to run the casino. But Wolf of Wall Street, they give you nothing of the people he's defrauding. Right? Right. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. By foregrounding, I mean, they're not in the front of the frame, yes. But they are part of this story, and the atrocity that they are committing is much more a part of the story. You can't have an entertaining, you know, have dropped some Rolling Stones beats in there when... And, oh, let's have a good time while we murder some Native Americans. Like, you just, it's... So, Not every Scorsese movie is like that either, though. Like, Departed isn't like that. What? Departed is is kind of on its face. You, there's, there's, I mean, you see who the victims are in that. I, I don't know, I'm, trying, I'm looking at his movies right so, now. Gangs of New York is about both victims, both, both gangs. I'm, I'm not sure you're, you're following... Uh, my ultimate point is that, yes, he was trying to, it's admirable to me what he's doing, right? He's shining the light on something I never knew about, was never taught in any school that I was in. That on itself has value. I'm saying that the story could have been told much better, much more entertaining and he glossed over parts that I thought were critical parts of the story that would have gave more dynamic versus showing the same kind of cuts and the same procedures that were going on with Molly and Ernest. And it was just bizarre. The presentation was bizarre. And it kind of bored you. And then when it flipped to like... Like when she was going to D.C., right? I mean, that was like a huge moment, but it was so kind of light and not 
broadcast. It was so undertone. No, I, I, she meets Coolidge. But I, I it's the, but what the, the, the most important thing of when she's going to DC is actually before she leaves. And that shot of her walking through the train station and and her narration takes over and you see her walking to the train from her vantage point and it's filmed like a horror film. The camera pans left and right. You see all these white people like staring at her and as she's talking about the evil gathering and that's poignant to me, man. And to, to, to say that that's, there's not entertainment value in that i i don't think you're watching the movie the right way i i mean yes i said it, it the, the movie was more educational than entertaining to me but that doesn't mean it's not a good movie i think you just said my point right there more educational should have been a documentary uh, documentaries on are entertaining it would have been just as effective if not more effective to walk into this this movie knowing that it was a new topic you were going to get educated not entertained. You can get educated. And oh yeah, by the way, there's a little love story that's kind of crooked in it. Oh yeah, by the way, that there's a little bit of crookedness with how they murder people. But in the end, the FBI shines and they convict for... Uh, Does the FBI shine? I don't know. The ending was told to me in a radio broadcast and a little blurb and, at the end. And, and we'll get to like, that. I have a rationale for why that is. But let's talk about the characters. So Molly Burkhart, Lily Gladstone, did you enjoy her acting? Did you think it was well presented? So I will reserve this that I would I've only seen the movie once and normally I like to see movies more than once, especially on this level. My initial reaction is that she kind of played it plain. That may have been on purpose, but I enjoyed her on screen. I didn't the part that was gut-wrenching was to see her getting poisoned and then poisoned again and then poisoned again, poisoned again, poisoned again. And that was extremely hard to watch and just was wondering when she was going to get wise to the fact that her husband's poisoning her, Well, I so, guess. But I thought her performance was okay. Okay. Just so you know, she's going to win the Oscar. So I already talked about the what I thought was great about it, but... I was intrigued by why she might stay. She initially calls out Ernest as a coyote. And so she knows what's happening in her community. But I, I think it's interesting. The Her sisters say, ah, he's looking at you in a different way than these other men look at us. And, you know, he might be a keeper. And I'm just, I was very interested by the you know, kind of that yearning for connection that she had with Ernest uh, because again, I think they see the marriage to the white man as as a way of progression and a way of potentially uh, getting out of the system. And I I thought it was just an interesting portrayal because there were certain times when I thought, well, she's got to know, but she's also drugged through an hour of the movie where it's <sighs> it, you know it's tough to understand what she actually knows is going on. Well, there's that gut wrenching scene where the elders of the tribe are in a tent and i think it's a prayer any the chief or or the priest i'm not sure exactly how they were organized is basically saying uh we're giving up our culture that the white man is taking over our culture and you the the whatever god this is is kind of walked away from us and has chosen the white people over us and where we just have to except cultural assimilation and that's after that scene they're walking out of the tent and that's when they strike the they show the oil getting found mm -hmm. and you're like i mean that's gut-wrenching right that's this is extremely difficult and i think what you're trying to say is she has this mentality of you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't so at least if this guy's presenting himself as somebody that loves me Maybe I can build a bigger future and get access to the assets that are rightfully mine. Yeah. Right? Which she does. But also, I wonder if, if she speaks out, if she's writing her own death warrant by announcing her suspicion. So, How do you know she's getting the Oscar? What are you, inside Oscar man? What, you got a bug in there? I'm just telling you, she's going to win the Oscar. We're putting money on it? I'll bet you. You can Best have the actress? You can have the field. 
I'll take her. I can have the whole field? Yeah. I feel like I still need odds. <laughs> <laughs> so Leonardo DiCaprio is Ernest Burkhart. What did, what did you think? I've already said what I thought about the entirety of the film. You know, I think Leo is uh, probably one of the best actors that we have within our generation. What's interesting about him is in every role I see him in, it's like it's a new guy I'm looking at on the screen. Which, like, for Brad Pitt, sometimes, I don't know why I'm comparing him to him, but Brad Pitt kind of feels like he's Brad Pitt in every film. Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise kind of feels like he's Tom Cruise in every film. I don't get that sense with Leonardo DiCaprio Mm -hmm. and with, with like, the greats. So I don't have, like, he's going to win the Oscar. He he might, but I, I, I didn't get that vibe out of him. But quality performance, quality acting chops, I just, I don't know that he was given everything he needed in this film did did his like dimness kind of work for you or did you not understand the push pull of what was going on with with within him i didn't see it as dimness i saw it more as he was a pleaser right he couldn't say no to anybody Mm -hmm. it was and he kind of was seduced into this idea that he was kind of the man under the king and I just think he was a pleaser. Like he said, he likes his women, he likes his drink, and as long as he's getting both, he's pretty happy, content, and he's not looking for a lot of conflict. I thought it was interesting that it was kind of posing the question. I mean, can a person really have love for someone while killing their family? <laughs> because he seemed to think he could. When I walked out of that film, I remember asking my son, did he really love her? Was he really in love with her? And he was like, yeah, I think so. But it was twisted. I mean, he was shocked when she asked him the questions at the end. What What did you put in the in the insulin or what did you put in the drugs? What were you injecting me with? And he he's like, oh, I'm caught in that lie. And But he wanted a life with her. And he yeah. was shattered by the fact that she stood up to him and, and walked out. And so, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, he's a pleaser. But... I, I just see him as like this conflicted demon of a man. I don't know. And maybe it wasn't explained the right way. So let's go. Well, let's walk through this. So he's given insulin from those doctors, right? And he's they're telling him this well, is going to help your wife, right? Initially, they're injecting her, right? And yes, I mean, she doesn't want that anymore. So she makes him do it. But at that time, they think that it's a good thing. Right? Ernest and Molly, yes. Right? But we don't know whether or not that was actually insulin or not, right? No. And then later on, they give him a jumper, whatever that might be. Morphine, cocaine, crack. It's insulin, and the bottle is labeled morphine. And they say, yeah, you got to give her this, too. and To slow her down. The, it'll, it'll slow her now, down. Now, does he know? Does he know that morphine is bad for you? I don't think so. Does he have that wherewithal? I, I I mean, I don't think so. Well, I guess where I'm heading at is, does he ever really legitimately know that he's poisoning his wife? Uh, yes. He's gotta, it's got to go off at some point, right? He does when he takes the poison himself, and that's when uh, it's cut. But it slows him down. It's cut together with Hale burning his own farm, and it's like a descent into hell. They're cutting back and forth. The flames are kind of outside of Ernest's windows it's he realizes at that point that yeah this it's not just morphine that we're given and that's he has this kind of crisis of conscience but he still starts he's still giving it to her because he doesn't know how to get himself out of where the situation he's in i mean just don't give it to her i just thought it was incredibly interesting in the the way he plays it it frowns through like i mean the whole movie you know i don't ever remember him smiling he it's doesn't smile until he meets her. Very dour. All right, so let's get back into the actors. So what'd you think of Leo? He he did good? Yeah. I don't know that he'll win Best Actor, but I think he'll be definitely nominated. Uh, how do you think Don Corleone did? De Niro, it, it was, he was a little too kind of mustache twirly for me. Yeah. Kind of a little foghorn leghorny with his accent. Do you ever see the movie Cape Fear? Yeah, oh yeah. I was like, he's channeling that guy, like <laughs> yeah. a like a tamed take Cape Fear guy. Where did he get that from? Yeah. Oh, Cape Fear. He has a true presence of just evil, almost satanic 
the one scene that I'm thinking of is I think it's a wedding early on. And it might be Molly and Ernest's wedding. He focuses on Molly's sister who's wasting, you know, has the wasting disease, as they say. And he kind of like is staring at her. And then he goes over and prays in front of her or what have you. But it's, you know, it's Jason Isbell's wife, Bill Smith's wife. And it's just the way he kind of like descends on that. It's just so evil. And then also they're in the the hut having this tribal meeting. And the only other white people in there are De Niro and DiCaprio. And for him to, you, we know what's going on. Yet no, him, there's that other guy that gets murdered. Oh, yeah. McBride is also the one. Yeah. yeah. And they, for him to speak up and, you know, $1,000 to anybody who has any information. It's just. You may have fallen asleep at that point for no, a little bit. Didn't. Mm-hmm. But, All the entertainment that was going on. Who else do we have? Well, one person I want to shout out is Jason Isbell, who is my favorite musician going right now. He plays Bill Smith. This is his first acting role, and he doesn't have a, a big character, but the one scene that he has with, with DiCaprio where they're sitting in the kind of the parlor, and it, you know he's like, do you need a drink, Ernest? And he's like, yeah, I think I'll have a whiskey. And I That back and forth I thought was great. And Isbell has such a, he's got a really interesting face. And it just fits very well. And his Southern drawl fits in really well. And he's just a very well-mannered performance that I, th- I thought was great. I enjoyed uh, seeing him. And I just don't like you. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good that was a good scene. I don't know Jason as well. I think I actually had some of his music on my phone, though, now that I think about it. Yeah, he's my favorite art, musical artist going. I didn't know you went country. He's not country. He's rock and roll. More on the folky side, but he's got a rock and roll band. Yeah, cool. We'll get into some of the other performances that didn't really work for me. But the other thing I just want to say about the acting is just the faces, the doctors, they all have very unique looking faces and it just, it all works the period piece of the film, the doctors, a couple of the crooks that they align with. I think they're all very interesting looking characters. Actors have faces. You got it. What's next? You're honestly, you're saying that actors have faces. That's what you're complimenting? I said interesting. Come on. Oh, this one's the only movie that has actors with interesting faces? Stop it. Stop it. Grasping at straws. You're trying to make this movie good. All right. What else did you like? I thought the death scene of Molly's mother was beautiful. Just exuded peace. The way she sits up and walks off those other elders was Something I'd never seen before in, in a movie, and I thought it was really beautiful the way it was portrayed. You threw your head back and, and laughed. So you. Must well, it was just a thing. random, like, again, like, it was just random. Let's just throw in this scene with elders that come and get her. There's That doesn't well, so, happen anywhere else in this film. Like, why, why do that? One of the things I was going to talk about in my thoughts at the end is I talked about that show Reservation Dogs. And I don't think your heart is just opened up to this movie. And if you'd watch that show, I think you might feel different. I need to watch. So now I have a homework assignment to watch this movie. It's a show. It's three seasons of a show. Jeez. But it's about the Muscogee Indians or natives also in Oklahoma. Look, and I want to make it clear that I feel the plight of the Indians. That's not my contention. I think the presentation of this movie, I want to make that perfectly clear. So if this ever comes back at me, I think. Knowing the story has enlightened me, and I definitely feel that I've learned something about it. But to say that I got to watch another show where the same type of thing happens to really like this one, it just is telling that this movie just isn't there, bro. I disagree. The other things I liked, again, I'll talk about the radio show now at the end. So, oh, yeah. Near the near- enlighten me. At the end of the movie, after the trial, we cut to a radio broadcast. And the one thing that was of note was that this old-time radio show was being sponsored by J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI. So they're putting on this presentation, basically valorizing themselves of this story. But that's kind of the problem, right? To me, it is. And it's why this movie doesn't foreground the FBI like the book does. They solve four murders, yet 
there was potentially over 100 murders that happened before they even got involved. And it was also very poignant at the end when Scorsese comes onto the screen and and he gives kind of the, the last words and he reads us Molly's obituary. And I think it's a little meta and he's owning the fact that he has put violence on screen for many years. But he's kind of saying that he's trying to tell these stories the only way he knows how to do them. And it was very emotional to me for him to say there was no mention of the murders at the end. And I just, it's bookended with when they show the murders up front at the very front of the story, they, they say there was no investigation. There was no investigation. There was no investigation. And I, I just think that that's why he told this story that way is because of the sensationalization of true crime docs and what have you. A lot of it doesn't focus on the the victims. It's more about how it was solved rather than the plight of the victim. And I, it's so that's why I think this movie is slower and more educational rather than a faster moving story about the FBI. And I, I think that's his point by doing the radio show at the end. Does that make any sense? I think that you really like this movie, so you're giving it a lot of license. I did not take that away from that radio program. But what I don't understand is you saying that it's glossing over stuff. It's just the coda. You know, The stuff that they do in this radio program is the stuff that you would typically get in a slide screen at the end. Ernest Burkhart got 58 years and lived out his years on a farm. Hale got 27 years and was released at age 68 and died at 84. Like, that's that's all they do. Maybe you're right. And maybe I would have liked that better. So the tone of the entire movie is this somber tale of all of this victimhood. And then the end is this theater radio broadcast. That's the so point. So out of place. That's the so point. So out of place. That These stories get turned into whiz-bang hey, let's make it snappy when it's not supposed to be snappy. We're supposed to feel the pain of the victim. You're selling the point by doing the action. You're you're telling me that Instagram is horrible and then telling me it on Instagram. Uh, you're not. It's, a, it's just a bad presentation. It's supposed to be a paradox of, yeah, this, but this is how the story ultimately gets told, typically, is this snappy presentation where we're going to have fun and make sound effects and turn it into something entertaining when it when a story like this should not be entertaining it's like i don't agree i go back to the flash of all fucking movies you don't make a joke about babies falling out of a building you can't make this story entertaining and allow it to have the proper gravity you cannot make it entertaining. you're making my point for me i'm a hundred percent in agreement with you it should have been a documentary. No. That's exactly what it it should have been. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Would have been the best documentary out there. I mean, who I, who would have thought Leo DiCaprio would have been in a, in a documentary? The other uh, last couple things I'll say is I think the production design is out of this world. The costume design out of this world. Yep. The score by Robbie Robertson of the band rest in peace. I just think that the score, it perfectly fits under this story. It's just this, this slow drumbeat. It's just the mundanity of evil. And yes, it's mundane, but it's effective. And that's mm. the point of the story is that it's ever present. Maybe. Yeah. I think you're leaping like it's no, I'm understanding. Maybe. I go to see movies to be entertained. You're selling this for me. You already told me that it's not entertaining and it's educational. Those are your words. I, I rest my case. I mean, I rest it's, my case. It's You're right. Those two things are very... When I went and saw this movie, it wasn't entertaining and it was educational. It can be... You're right. But, but movies got me. can be effective. I can give you an example of a movie that was effective, moved me, and was entertaining. Uncut Gems. Perfect movie that drew out an emotion, was entertaining, talked about something I had no clue about. Accomplished all three. This movie doesn't do that. To your own admission. I just think you're... <laughs> your Honor, thank you. I think you're watching it wrong. Thank do you, you have anything you liked? Anything you want to call out about the movie before we move? I mean, I like the ending. 
There was credits. Okay. I walked out during them. It was great. Three and a half hours. Uh, Three and a You can't handle the truth. Three and a half hours. I enjoyed every minute of it. I watched Oppenheimer. I would have added another hour in that. It was presented well. It was, it was a great film. This movie is a drag. Educational. No entertainment. I Your did not words. say Thank no you. entertainment. Boom. <laughs> Drop the mic. Things I didn't like. Brendan Fraser. I don't know what movie he was in, but it was a different movie than everyone else. He was in the 1920s version of this movie. I just thought it was really odd the way he kind of blusters. The other thing that I thought was interesting, I didn't need them to show me them killing Anna after the guy confessed to it on the stand. I thought it was odd that they he confessed to it, talked to you about it, and then they showed it to us. I didn't... It, yeah, because Scorsese doesn't know what he's doing. Even though he sits there and tells you, oh, I'm so sorry about the violence of my films. I'm going to put some violence in this film just for the for the thrill of it. I, you know what? I, I can't believe you have this opinion on this film. That's it. I'm actually now getting a little angry. What's your rating of this movie, Slavic? Oh, my God. 40s, 42, 43. That's insane. So you have Black Panther Wakanda Forever as a 52. That's uh, That's a better movie than this? Yes. There's actually something that happens in it. You have the Eternals as 44. This yeah, is all right. So it's better than the Eternals. Okay. <laughs> I hate that movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once you have is a 45. I mean, it's a, it's a 55. 55. 55. Okay. Well, you you blustered a lot for a movie that's a, that's okay on our scale. I mean, if I have the Eternals at 40, I at least know that he was trying to make a movie here. Mm-hmm. Eternals is a piece of shit. This actually, he tried. It's just not, it didn't work. So 55, Fat. is that your final final number? I mean, I, I, after I see it again, which I will begrudgingly do, it's a 55 now. I'll, I'll give him that. I have it as an 84. That's crazy. What else do you have at an 84, just out of curiosity? I should bring it up. I have the movie Come On, Come On is 84. I have Dune, 83, Tenet, 83. Okay. Nightmare Alley, Uncut Gems, I have as 85s. Babylon's an 85. Tar's an 86. So it's right in there. All right. Well, I'm happy that we disagreed about this one. Good. I wanted to just talk about a couple other things. <laughs> Good. Thanks. Wow, I guess we're not spending any more time on that, Segway boy. So there's an interesting story that I read a couple of years ago about this movie. Is They originally cast DiCaprio as the FBI agent. Yeah, because they were going to actually make it about the FBI part. Yeah. That makes sense. If you had gotten your way and the FBI was, was more of a portion of this movie, doesn't it seem like Jesse Plemons is... Kind of, I just think it's interesting the swap there between DiCaprio and Plemons. So first of all, I don't think that this was. I think the FBI portion of this story was handled poorly. Could have been handled better. Not, I don't not necessarily need it all to be about the FBI. I'm saying that the way that it was handled here wasn't good. I think Jesse Plemons is a phenomenal actor. And is able to take on, he plays that FBI agent extremely well. I almost think DiCaprio would have taken away from that. DiCaprio is a little more high energy, whereas Plemons can kind of sit back a little bit and take it in. I don't, if that is that what you were asking me? Yeah, well, I think Plemons is, you know, yeah, he modulates his characters a little bit more than DiCaprio does, I think. More, yeah, and or stifles them, I guess. And, I think it would have been an interesting movie. I just think because DiCaprio is so dynamic at times, I think this movie might have been even better with with Plemons in the DiCaprio role. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know that DiCaprio takes this movie because the book is more about the FBI. So I'm told. I haven't read the book. But Scorsese and DiCaprio made the decision to focus more on the wolves and the systemic greed of the story rather than the creation of the FBI. And that's when they switched, you know, DiCaprio. I don't, I don't want, I shouldn't say they swapped roles, but that's when DiCaprio said that he wanted the, the Ernest Burkhart role. And then they cast Plemons as Tom White of the FBI. But I had a, sometimes had a hard time with DiCaprio as this 
dimmer guy. I mean, I really, you really don't see him play that very much. Uh, I don't know. I thought he did a decent job of that. Like I said, I don't think he's dim. I think he's just a yes man. It's a different mentality. This is what I wanted to ask you. One of the things that sold, that when I saw Oppenheimer, I said about it was that that movie was extremely inspirational to me. Did you feel that with this movie, that it inspired you to learn more, get a book? No, but Oppenheimer wasn't as inspirational to me because it has kind of a similar dour ending, right? Well, let me ask you this, though. If this movie was supposed to be information, educational, slow burn, shouldn't it have at the end inspired you to go and look more into this story? Yeah. Definitely did. It should have done that, but you're telling me it didn't do that. I'm much more interested in reading this book than I am in American Prometheus. Hmm. I mean, I'm going to read this book, too. Yeah. I mean, I just like reading, but yeah, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. Well, so comparing it to Oppenheimer, this movie feels just more epic to me. It's kind of broader to me, and it's kind of more like a painting versus a photograph. I, what did you mark Oppenheimer at? What did you rate it? 78. And this one? 84. So, I mean, they're not that far apart. Mm-mm. But I just think this is a better, more full story to me. And it made me think a lot more. I could tell. You you keep filling in gaps that this movie didn't present. I don't. I don't. Imagination is completely taken over. But to me, this movie is more like painterly. It's more, you know, whereas Oppenheimer's kind of sleeker, slicker, a little bit poppier, more accessible for sure. I just enjoyed the presentation here more. The tone of it was much more in line, I think, with the message than than Oppenheimer was. Anyhow, I don't think we're convincing each other of anything. Let's move on. What else you got? So one thing that I am looking forward to with huge anticipation is this Napoleon movie. I think it's going to be more like my type of film than yours. Oh, it's definitely much more your film and you'll read seven books after (laughs) you watch it. Yeah. I think it's interesting that Joaquin Phoenix is in, and none of the actors are speaking with the French accent. I think that's, Uh, yeah, I don't know how they, how successful that would be. Why are they speaking in kind of an English accent? I didn't even put that together. Hmm. Yeah. 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 D- it does look interesting. You know, Ridley Scott. It's definitely not going to be a slow burn. No, it's not going to be a slow bird. You know, I think that's why when I saw this movie, I told Jacob, I'm like, you know, who's going to really appreciate this movie <laughs> is Wade. He's going to love this. He's going to dig deep into the crevices and the details, and he's going to love this movie. And he's going to forget that. At 10,000 feet, this movie just kind of sucks. <laughs> You're incorrect. I thought it was also interesting that one of the other trailers was Aquaman Lost Kingdom. I'm not sure where the Venn diagram of this movie, Napoleon, and Aquaman Lost Kingdom. Did Scorsese come out and say thank you for watching this movie? He did on ours. Who, what? What? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I had Scorsese that. come out and said, hey, I made this movie for you guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, I got that. It's the new thing. Yeah. You know what movie I thought we were going to go see and talk about? It was with Denzel Washington's kid, the guy that played in Tenet. Creator. Creator. That movie died. It's not even in theaters anymore. Yeah. it. Do you know what happened to it? It didn't get very good reviews, but looked interesting. Looked amazing. We'll have to catch it when it comes to streaming. Mm. Are there any uh, shows or movies you're looking forward to? Lots of movies. We still got a lot of Oscar contenders still coming up. The other big Oppenheimer and this movie are the two of the top Oscar contenders. There's a movie with Emma Stone coming out called Poor Things that looks really interesting. Uh, Definitely much more of a me movie than a you movie, I think. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to that. There's a lot of other smaller movies that are coming out. Maestro is coming out. That's the Bradley Cooper biopic on Leonard Bernstein that looks really interesting. That's coming to Netflix. And Fair Play is a movie that I'd like you to watch on Netflix. I just watched that over the weekend. It's Anyhow, that's all I got. 
Okay, well, I think we covered it. I mean, I, there's lively discussion. It's not often that we have movies that we completely disagree on. But, man, we disagreed on this one. Yeah. I want to do a shout-out to my friend if she's still listening. Jennifer Weiss, still thinking about you, still love you. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I saw you texted me today, so I'm looking forward to texting you tomorrow. Hope you're doing well. Otherwise, it was good potting with you. Let's make this a habit. And good night. Bye. That concludes the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'd love to get your support and your opinion of the podcast, so please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Deep Shots Pod and on Facebook, Deep Shots Podcasts. Email your comments, opinions, and future show suggestions at deepshotspod at gmail.com. Stay safe. Much love. Bye.